The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered and said, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Now as they went, Jesus began to speak to the crowd concerning John, saying, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Why then did you go into the wilderness? To see a man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those in soft clothing are in kings' houses. What did you go then to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. For this is the one of whom it was spoken. Behold, I will send my messenger before you to prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women has arisen no one greater than John. But the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. For from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent have forced upon it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you can accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. Let him who has ears to hear, hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children in the marketplace calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge for you and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her deeds. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Grace to you and peace from Christ Jesus, who was, who is, and is to come. Amen? As the Archbishop and Primate of the Anglican Church in North America, it is a joy to be back here at Christ Church this morning. Thank you, Dean Paul, for the invitation to preach. By the way, I still don't see how you do that with the gospel every week. It's just amazing. Very, very, very good. Um, before I open God's word, though, I, I wanted to stop and just say thank you to you, Christ Church. Uh, you hosted our 10th anniversary assembly back in June, and you just did a wonderful job, and I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for opening your homes. Thank you for serving in so many capacities. Uh, folks served behind the scenes. We had the musicians, the staff, uh, the clergy doing all kinds of things to help uh, a tr- 
help us have a tremendous event for the province, and so thank you. If you have, were not here for that opening worship service on that Monday night of the assembly, which was held right here, I wanna encourage you to go watch it online. I still hear people, even from around the world, talk about how, what a powerful service that was. So thank you for your, your hosting and, and your hospitality. Secondly, I just wanna say thank you for your prayers. Uh, for me and Allison, as, as I serve in this role as the Archbishop and now as chair of the GAFCON Primates, um, I can't do what I'm doing without the undergirding of the power of God, and that comes through uh, the prayers of God's people. So I just wanted to say thank you. Let's pray together. Father, as we open your word this morning, I, first of all, I want to say thank you that we do have your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the ability that we have in our time and in our place to be able to open it, study it, learn from it. And so as we do this morning, I ask that you would send forth your Holy Spirit, come be our teacher, help us to hear from you what you want us to hear this day, and then apply it in our lives. And this is our prayer in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you were sailing along in your life, believing that you were in the, right in the center of God's will, and then something happens, and you're left wondering, Lord, have I been hearing you wrong? Lord, have I made a, a wrong turn somehow? Lord, are you there? Many of us have gone through times where we begin to question, God, have I misunderstood? Father, I thought I was obeying you. What's going on? Or, or Lord, where are you? Our text this morning tells the story of John the Baptist going through such a time. So I want to invite you to open your Bible if, if you have it with you, or if not, turn on your phone and, and turn the passage, or I, I know there's one in the pew. But let's look at a few of these verses together from Matthew chapter 11 and see what God might have to say to us this morning. As you open, I want to remind you of a few things that John said about Jesus before we get to this event that we're going to look at this morning. John called Jesus the baptizer. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, we find this. John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He then calls Jesus the purifier. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, his winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, his, the gathering of the wheat into the barn, and the burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God. Listen to what he says. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Another time, John calls Jesus the son of God. In John chapter one, verse 32, John says this. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. 
I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me the man on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Another time John says about Jesus that he's to become the priority, the focus. In John 3.30 he says, he must increase, I must decrease. And then he, he calls Jesus God's, or the Father's chosen steward of life. In John 3.35 he said, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. So John the Baptist has said all these things about Jesus. And then we come to the text this morning. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear John's question, to me, his question conveys doubt. I've been proclaiming that you're the Son of God. I've been telling people that you're the steward of life, that you're the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, that you're the one that's going to purify this world of its evil. Are you the one, or shall we look for another? To understand John's personal confusion, perhaps it would be helpful if we look at several things. First, his circumstances. John's in prison. John was put in prison by King Herod for calling him out on his sin. You know, John was the type of person he could not remain silent when he saw sin. He told it like it was. So when he found out that King Herod, we know him as Herod Antipas, when King Herod had made a visit to Rome and seduced his brother's wife Herodias, then brought her back to Galilee, got rid of his own wife, and then married her, John kept telling Herod that it was not lawful for him to do that, that it was sin. So Herod arrests John the Baptist, and he throws him in the dungeon in the fortress of Macarius, near the mountains of the Dead Sea. And there he stayed for month after month after month. He's in this dungeon. Now, if you think about John, he grew up and he lived in the desert. Wide open spaces, plenty of sky, like it is here in Texas. You know what I'm talking about. He probably didn't even live in a house. He probably lived in a tent or, or a cave. And now he's in this tiny cell with no windows, no fresh air, probably not much light. His whole world has been rocked, physically and emotionally. So let's remember his circumstances. He's in prison. Secondly, let's remember his cultural influence. John, culturally, was expecting a Messiah to take on the Romans, and to, to confront them with their unrighteousness. He was expecting a Messiah to clean up the sinful mess, not only in Israel, but in the whole world. He's expecting a Messiah to hold people accountable for their deeds with judgment. 
and fire. And he's sitting in prison and he's not hearing about any of this happening. A third thing to keep in mind is John's calling, his calling. John is the forerunner, the one to prepare the way for the Messiah. But Jesus is not doing what he thought a Messiah should do. It doesn't match what he was feeling like he was called to do. Is there any wonder that John the Baptist is having some confusion? Is there any wonder that he raises a piercing question? Are you the one? Or shall we look for another? His circumstances, his cultural influence, and his calling are all impacting his life in ways that he did not expect. Now, if a man like John the Baptist had cause to doubt, you and I should be encouraged that we're not alone when we have our doubts. Like John, our doubts are often caused by not receiving what we expect the Messiah to do for us. Let's look at uh, Jesus' answer to John. We see this in verse 4. And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus answers John the Baptist by quoting the Bible. He actually is quoting here prophecy about the Messiah from Isaiah 35, verse 4, which says this, Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance, with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame man will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. He also refers here to a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. Speaking of the Messiah, it says, He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall fall and be broken. That resonate about the stone which the builders rejected become great offense. Jesus answers John by reminding him what the word of God says about his ministry. Jesus paints a bigger picture about the role and the ministry of the Messiah. William Barclay describes this event this way. He says, John preached the gospel of divine holiness with divine destruction. Jesus preached divine holiness with divine love. So Jesus says to John, maybe I'm not doing the things you expected me to do, but the powers of evil are being defeated by, not by irresistible power, but by unanswerable love. Well, when John's messengers leave, the rest of this passage tells of Jesus' comments about John the Baptist. Notice that there's no condemnation for his question. There's no ridicule for his doubt. There's no concern for his confusion. He calls him a prophet. He says he's more than a prophet. 
He points out that he's the prophesied messenger that's to prepare the way of the Lord. He says that no one is greater in the king, no one who has ever been born is greater than John the Baptist. He reveals that John the Baptist is actually the Elijah which the prophets said would come before the Messiah. John the Baptist was a great man of God, and yet he had his doubts, his own confusion about the plans of God. So this morning I need to ask this question. So what is Jesus' answer to us in the midst of our doubts, in our times of confusion, when we kind of lose our way? In a simple sentence, I believe Jesus would say to us, as a follower of mine, whatever your concern, I am. You will find your answer in me. As a follower of mine, whatever your concern, I am. You will find your answer in me. It may not be the answer you're expecting, but your answer is found in me. A couple of words about doubt. Doubt. Doubt, if cuddled and nurtured, will destroy your faith and security in the Lord. On the other hand, doubt can strengthen and deepen your faith if you use it with purpose rather than ignoring it or hiding it. So what do we do with our doubt? Number one, you confront your doubt by going to Jesus as John did. He went to John. I mean, he went to G John went to Jesus. And we are to do the same thing. In James chapter 2, we find these words. Actually, it's chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various kinds of trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. James goes on, and the rest of that passage is very applicable to this very topic. But in chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. So you confront your doubt first by going to Jesus, like John did. Secondly, you confront your doubt by asking questions, as John did. He brought the question to Jesus. Jesus can handle our questions. He can handle what we need to know. But we have to take it to him, and we have to ask. Third, you confront your doubts with the word of God. Did you notice that Jesus took John back to the Bible, the Word of God? He took him to Isaiah. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was being tempted, and the tempter began to tempt Jesus to doubt his purpose and his ministry? What did Jesus do? He took him to the Word of God. He quoted Scripture to him. We confront our doubts by going to the Word of God, by reading it by reflecting on it, by praying on it, by listening to it, by applying it in our lives. 
Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired of God and profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, for training in righteousness so that the man of God or the woman of God might be adequately equipped for every good work. Bring your doubts to the word of God. And then fourth, never act in doubt. Never act in doubt against what God has shown you when you were in the light. Never act in doubt against what God has clearly shown you when you were in the light. St. Francis advised that no one should never take action based on doubt or confusion. Or as someone else has said, never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. In other words, our decisions and actions should not be based on our doubts, but rather in faith in the one who promises to be our shepherd, the one to lead us and guide us and direct us. Jesus says to all of us, as a follower of mine, whatever your concern, I am. You will find your answer in me. Now, some would say it didn't turn out well for John the Baptist. Herod eventually killed him following the plot of his new wife, Herodias. We're told, however, that before Herod had him killed, King Herod would often call for John and have him preach to him. Actually, Mark chapter 6, verse 14 tells us that when Herod heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. We don't know the effect of that preaching, but John preached again and again to Herod. And then as Jesus said of John the Baptist, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. John fulfilled the mission God had for him in his life. John fulfilled the purposes of God that he had for his life and his ministry. Oh, that that would be the same for each of us. Allow your doubts and confusion to propel you into the deep purposes of God for your life. The Lord doesn't waste anything, and he will not waste our doubt and our confusion, our questioning, our wondering. If we allow him, he'll take us deeper into him. Are you the one, or shall we look for another? This morning, some of you may be asking that question. Is Jesus really the one? If you've never asked Jesus into your life, if you've never invited him to be your Lord and Savior, you've never bent the knee of your heart and and said, yes, Lord, I want your will for my life, I invite you to consider that this morning. We're living in a time and a place in history where so much is happening so quickly But it doesn't just stop here. There's an eternity to think about. And Jesus wants you and me and has made the way for you and me to have a relationship with God forever and ever. And so if you're not right with him this morning, and I don't know you other than some of you I've met, and I don't know where you are in your walk with him today, I invite you to take a few minutes. We're going to have just a, a minute or two of quiet prayer. And I want to invite you to renew your relationship with him, 
or to begin your relationship with him by asking him to come into your life and have his way in your life. Let's pray together. I invite you just to pray quietly in your own way. Father, we ask you to hear the prayer of your people. I ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit and renew and refresh your people this day. In Jesus' name and for his glory, we pray. Amen.